0: Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Well, hello to everybody. It's Carrie's Corner. You are listening to me chatting with Michael Fridgeon, industry expert and, of course, everybody's favorite. We catch up once a year. And we unpack competitions, results, trends, wrap-up of the year. And today, the 26th of November, is what we're doing for you so that you know what you're going to put into your shopping basket. You're going to have a much better idea of what you should be buying. Michael, hi, and welcome to Carrie's Corner. Thanks for joining me.
1: It's a great pleasure and nice to be chatting.
0: (laughs) Always. It's our end-of-year catch-up. And I am going to let you sort of row the boat and and chat freely because I know that the listeners and the viewers love your opinions. But a couple of points that I'd like to that I'd like to raise for your um, for your comment. Five star platters were announced a week or two ago, lots of them, two hundred and thirty four five star wines, which is more than we've ever had. Give me your comments on that.
1: Well, we've seen this increment in numbers over the years. Um, You can take off 10 or 15 brandies and like spirits, which have now been included in the lineup, And it does seem as if there has been a proliferation of five-star awards. But when you look down the list, a lot of them are for single site wines. Mm. And that's both useful and not useful. It's useful because... They weren't there 10 or 15 years ago, and that would take out probably 50 or 60 of the wines on the list. They are, in a sense, newcomers. They are crafted. They are well-made wines. So you can't dispute that they may very well, all of them, be at the old five-star standard. There is, I suppose, a sense that the industry has just got better and better and better, Mm -hmm. and therefore, unless you keep raising the bar you are going to get something of this influx yeah. of of more and more wines making the grade. Um, I think both of those factors are true. I think the industry has become much, much better at what it does. I've had a heads-up for an announcement that will be made, I think, next week, which is the what used to be the Tri-Nations Challenge and is now the Global Wine Challenge because it includes – the United States, which obviously means we're up against California, Canada, where the Okanagan Valley is a source of some very fine, certainly Cabernets and also some wonderful white wines coming from Canada, and then of course, Australia and New Zealand. Mm. And I think, and, and until COVID, it was a competition in which somebody in each country nominated their selection for judging, and then the judges from each country assembled. And that's always been, for me, a slightly difficult dynamic because you're up against the dynamic of other judges yeah. who come with a house palette. So when the South Americans were part of this, South Africa did very well because their palette coincided slightly more with our palette than, say, my palette would with an Australian or New Zealand one and so on. So yeah. the palette of the judges plays a role. Yes. in how a result is arrived at. But this year, with the travel restrictions, the uh, competition was judged only by Masters of Wine resident in Australia. So we're talking about classically trained palettes, Yeah, The selection still made by the same judges from around the world, none of whom could travel to be there. And the heads-up that I've had is of the, I think, 15 classes, South Africa has won five trophies, in other words, has best of class
0: sure, that's in
1: one-third of all of them. And that's probably better than we've ever done before. And even if, say, one other country got four or five trophies, it means that we are way ahead then of at least three of the other countries yeah. participating in this competition. So as a kind of a benchmarker, it says that when you put independent Classically trained palettes in a room, and you present them with a lineup of wines from South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada. South Africa is doing well, very well, in world class terms. Yeah. And yeah. So that's I the mean first you... point that you really need to make when you look at this platter lineup and say, are there too many wines? Most of the wines on this list wouldn't even have been included in that global wine challenge lineup because most of the producers of single-site wines wouldn't consider putting a wine into a competition like that. Mm. So it means that the kinds of wines that would be prepared to enter have done very well for South Africa, and that's a measure of the vastly improving average standard yeah. that we're seeing from the Cape wine industry.
0: I agree with you, and I think added to that, I mean, you take – you take Mike Ratcliffe's Villa Fonte, which we can't ignore while we're talking about international challenges, and, I mean, that's just been nominated Red Winery of the, of the World or Red Wine of the World at the, at the um, London Wine and Spirits competition. It has to, it has yeah. to drive home a, a story to everybody that our, that our standard has been raised considerably over the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone should take with a pinch of salt the best wine in the world, the best this, the best that. These are all different competitions. Yes. They don't, and this includes the ones that I run, they don't have a catchment of the whole world. No. And no. so it really means the best of what was entered and so on and so forth. But it does tell you that um, the standard is high. And so that when you look down the five-star list now, yes, you shouldn't be surprised to see a couple of hundred wines, especially if you're going to include wines Produced in quantities of less than 200 cases. So a lot of these single site wines are unavailable. They're unobtainable. It would be like somebody deciding which were the best Burgundies. And if you've got 15 producers making Romani Saint-Vivant or Echazot, where the site is already a Grand Cru site, mm. you know, you're going to have 20 or 30 wines that are scoring 98 points and above. It doesn't mean you could buy any of them,
0: well, that's because the they're sold on
1: allocation; they're unavailable. But they do represent a kind of an acme mm. of what is possible.
0: It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one that, because I think in 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 wine industries like such as our own, where we're trying to promote um, wine drinking, because we're not a wine drinking society really, we're a wine producing country, but. It's definitely not our favorite drink of choice. So we are trying to promote um, responsible wine drinking, I suppose, to, to as much as we possibly can. And a lot of these wines are not available. Do you think that we should have a different kind of an approach for platter that says these are the five stars, but if we're looking for wine for my Rolls, you know, my, I was my Rolls Royce and my Volkswagen Beetle theory. We all need good Volkswagen Beetles. And a lot of these wines are frustrating for the population because they see the platter um, five stars. They go to their local store or they phone their, their consultant and 80% of them are not available. Now, there's a lot of these wines that are not available.
1: And I don't think that there's an easy solution to that. Um, because um, firstly, how do you make that call? You can do as we do at uh, Trophy Wine Show and say that there has to be a minimum production of X and a minimum amount available for sale at the time that the competition um, results are announced. And you can impose on everybody who enters a minimum reserve available for sale through a designated... um, Retailer, Mm. But the answer is that once you start doing that, what is that designated amount and who is the designated retailer? Then Platter has to commit itself to a commercial channel to say, everybody who gets a five-star wine has to put aside 20 cases, and those 20 cases have to be sold through A, B, or C, so that the wines are theoretically available to the public. It would be useful to do that. But the Platter Guide doesn't set out to be a competition.
0: No. It
1: sets out to review the industry.
0: Yes.
1: It has reviewed the industry, and once it's done that, it's up to the consumer to see which of the wines they can actually obtain. I think that the whole song and dance around five-star wines, which is a marketing tool for platter, Mm. has come at the expense of what the Platter Guide really does, which gives you a a once-a-year kind of snapshot of the industry, who's good, who's average, who's bad. And, in fact, it's very hard to find a lot of bad wines. The guide is too generous in the lowest scores. But the fact of the matter is that it's a guide. The Mm. five stars are a process that comes at the end of what its key um, objective is – which is to produce a guide.
0: Yeah, I agree with you entirely. I think we need to remember that. It's a very important point. Whilst looking at the five stars, what sticks out for you as a category in South Africa that seems to be growing in popularity and quality?
1: Well, it's interesting that you say that. I looked through the list and, you know, a few years back the biggest category was comfortably Shannon Yeah, and we had very few... Um, categories to match it in terms of the number of five-star awards. Now there seems to be a much bigger spread of wines within each of the classes. Mm. Um, so, for example, you know, we've probably got 10 or 15 Cabernets, five or six Cabernet Francs. It's a much broader yes. reach in terms of classes. And so we're seeing some quite interesting growth classes. Cabernet Franc is something that we have seen. Um, South Africa producing very well indeed. And the fact that there are now, is there six or seven of them, seven of them.
0: I was it's surprised at how many of them there were. That was, for me, my standout yeah. category.
1: So it certainly says we should be paying attention mm. to Cabernet Franc. There's no question about that. Um, we are seeing, and I think this is a separate discussion, we've got four sensors. Yes. They're all very good sensors. And I think very good Cinzo's are delicious wines. I'm absolutely not rubbishing in Cinsos. But I'm going to have difficulty imagining that ultimately the greatest Cinzo produced in South Africa is going to be better than the greatest Cabernet Franc or greatest mm. Chardonnay. It's, you know, there are limitations attributable to the variety. Mm. You can exploit it to the maximum, but it's still not going to be in the Olympics at any of the kind of the levels that count. Yes. So we've seen some growth in the number of Pinot Noirs here. Yes. I think we are over-enthusiastic as a general rule about our Pinot Noirs. They are nice. They are pleasant. Some of them are delicious and juicy. We are country miles away from the top end of Burgundy. Yes. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't aspire to produce wines of the same quality not necessarily the same style. Yes. So I think it is encouraging to see the growth in the number of Pinots that have made it onto the list.
0: And you know, I'm quite happy that a lot of the Pinot producers have actually succumbed to the fact that they are not Burgundy, and they are finessing the the South African Pinot Noir grape in all its prettiness to its. To the best of their ability so you're not going to buy um a hamilton russell or a Bouchard or a creation or an anybody on the hope that you are buying a little gevre chambertin or something you're not anymore because they they have stopped aligning well not really stopped aligning themselves they love burgundy and that's the basis upon which they work but They've allowed Pinot Noir in South Africa to express itself as a variety of South Africa rather than a Burgundy lookalike, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, and, you know, looking at that Pinot list and my point about multiple, um, multiple wines from the same producer, there are four Oak Valley different cuvées, each with a five star. That says that the panellists were doing a pretty good job identifying a certain style. There are two wines, you know, two storm wines, two creation wines, yes. two crystalline wines. You know, yes. that list is being swollen in a way by the, um, by the presence of single site wines mm. that are, um, you know, what can I say? They are, they are not readily available. They're all tiny productions. They're all nuanced you know, South Slope, North Slope, this clone, mm. that clone. Mm. Um, we really are digging into minutiae here, yeah. but it is swelling the five-star list. Yes,
0: and so it should. I mean, you don't ever, you don't ever see that um, any of the DRCs have attained an enormous sort of um, accolade of sorts and then find that there are 2 million cases available on the market for sale. They go hand. No, no, hand. I mean
1: it's a Burgundian thing to have very little of something.
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly. So we've so we've gone through um, Cabernet Franc as being probably my single biggest pick as as a variety to watch going forward. What else would you put in there? I think our I think our Chardonnays have done extremely well as well, don't you? I
1: was gonna say Chardonnay. I mean we we mustn't ignore the fact that the Chenin class Is still spectacular and wonderful. Yes. Um, But it's what you would expect. But Chardonnay has a very nice lineup. It's got enough of the single site and enough of the more generally available. Yeah. Um, I have to say, there's still not that many of them that are available in reasonable volume Mm -hmm. and none casting my eye down the list that I would suggest are. Instantly affordable, but uh-huh. you know, and this is one of the producers who I think is a an underrecognized and standout producer, and that's Trizan Trazanne Barnard.
0: I, she's I see there. she's
1: got a chardonnay there at Trophy Wine Show. She has for two years in a row produced the best um, the best Syrah or Shiraz. There are certainly other um, Trezan signature wines on this uh, on this list. Mm-hmm. And so it's very clear to me that there is an under-celebrated affordable. I think that her wines generally run at, what, 180 to 250 Yeah, they're about 250
0: is max, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I think that there is someone there that has affordable wine, that sells off her wine list, you can get a hold of her, her product, and she is there in a few places, including now I see Chardonnay, to go with her other very successful stuff like um, her Sauvignon Blanc. I see she's got the Sondax Clove white there. Yeah. She's got a same Sauvignon blend and I know that her Shiraz is just one of those superb, superb wines. Yeah,
0: she's a very talented winemaker. I saw, somewhere, I saw somewhere on my list and I wanted to ask you who they were because I thought I knew everybody in the whole wide world, in the whole wide cape. That produces wine, but I don't know who Hogan Wines are, and I, uh, don't, know, and I don't know Jocelyn Hogan. She's who Lingen Wines lovely. Are. She makes beautiful
1: shenan. She's in fact an East London girl who fell in love with wine and wine making, and has had she's had a gold medal at Trophy Wine Show a year or two ago, and um, she's certainly clearly up there in the list of, of of smart wine
0: producers. Yeah, so I saw Hogan, what's, and then I, yeah. saw, I saw Lingen. Do you know who Lingen is, L-I-N-G-E-N? I've never heard of
1: Lingen. No, I don't. I have seen Lingen there, and I don't off the top of my head know who yeah. Lingen is.
0: So it's quite interesting to see that there are some… And there are lots of those.
1: You know, there are, you know, I think I know what's going on in the wine industry, but I'm the first to admit that if you gave me a full list of all producers… There'd probably be 10 or 20 yeah. that I'd rather never heard of,
0: yeah.
1: And um, you know, this is one of them. Lingen, I think, is Stellenbosch. I don't um, know. but I've never been there and I've never tasted the wines.
0: I was very happy to see that Arco Larmans Chardonnay, um, was awarded five stars. Arco, of course, was the winemaker at um. Glen Karlou.
1: Glen Karlou. And, and he's also got
0: a spin in with five stars. Oh, has he? And his wines yeah. are very, very well-priced. And I would, I would recommend Arco Laman's wines if anybody was looking, and I should imagine that there's stock available of them. Um, so for, for reds, mine's Cabernet Franc. For white, Chardonnay. The, the um, red blends, those are the things that always pique my interest because I love blends. And I see that there were quite a number of them, and they, and they divide them up into those red blends that have pinotage in them and those that don't, sort of. Um, red blends, any red blend that you think would be a Yeah, fabulous. you
1: land up with, in fact, quite interesting. So you've got Bordeaux blends. They call it Cape Bordeaux. Yeah. And I think it's interesting there. There are two successive vintages of the Glenelly Lady May. And I think that the Lady May twenty fifteen also got a five star yes. last year. Yeah, it did. So that's three in a row and um, we all think I know that Luca Kelligan is just a fantastic winemaker. It's brilliant. That that success vindicates both the sighting of that property by Madalenka saying ex Pichon Lelande. Yes. Um, it is in a very special part of Stellenbosch and it's taken. Fifteen years for those vines to get some age, and for Luke, who I think has pretty much been there since the inception, mm. to get to know his way around the farm. For me, that is serious, reasonable volume winemaking. This is not a tiny yeah. little cuvee. Yeah, it's a proper Bordeaux blend. I'm very pleased to see that Ferchelichen is back amongst the awards. Yeah, I saw that. There has been a real transformation there, both in terms of just a riper fruit profile. Without a higher alcohol So the G V B is there The red um, There's certainly white five star wines from And I see the V Also gets there in, in the cab category So we're seeing a renaissance Well of course Terry Haber
0: Terry Haber is the consultant there And I, everybody yeah. knows That I seriously rate Terry Haber He's a loose He's cannon He's
1: a fabulous viticulturist yeah. The change has come Primarily from the Viticulture yeah. and you know, Thierry works with Michel Rolland and Michel yeah. Rolland's great skill is just helping at the time the yeah. blending, the assembly. And of course when you
0: see what he's done to Holden Mance, it's also yeah. evident to the There's Holden Stops. Mance
1: yeah. out there with a bunch of very nice wines. Yeah.
0: Exactly that. So I think overall, I'm quite excited and chuffed that there are 230-something five stars from Plata. I think it gives us a whole much bigger palette from which to choose. And I think that we'll find out of those 234, we definitely are going to find some of those that are readily available on the shelves. If I was to say to you, um, I know it's difficult, um, but if I were to say to you, a couple of recommendations for the festive season, for Christmas tables. What, what would you like to recommend out of, and not even necessarily five star lineup. It's your recommendation for the year. Have you found a producer that you particularly liked? Have you found anything that you think would be absolutely great for the holidays? Is there anything new that the, that the listeners need to know about?
1: Oh, wow, that's a really, really difficult question. And even though you forewarned me that there would be some tough questions, (laughs) um, the answer is it isn't easy because of the wide breadth of styles. If you're looking for freshness and elegance and much more detail and nuance, you're going to have to gravitate towards, for example, Elgin, where I think we're seeing some super fine wines. Yes. And there are two or three really good producers there. Um, none of whom, I have to say, are cheap. There's Iona, there's Kershaw, um, there's obviously Kluver. If you're looking for the more full-bodied, richer um, Stellenbosch kind of style, then um, once again we are seeing, I mentioned Glenelli, you have to look at Takara, and it's certainly worth looking back and seeing what's been achieved at Verkhali. And then I'm going to go back to what I said to you earlier which is slightly off the wall but consistently good, very pure winemaking, um, there's Trazan, Trazan's signature wine. Where's Trisane's So I'm afraid from? it isn't to uh, put my head on the block and see it chopped off. <laughs> I really don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all no. when it comes to Cape wine, and there's now a fabulous choice and no one should need to have to narrow it to one producer, one wine, one style as you reach out to the festive season. One final thought, and in fact, I'm not even sure I saw any such wine on the list, but there must be. We forget how remarkably good our fortified wines are. And in that context, and it really is important, our so-called port producers, Mm. who I think are battling because no one um, remembers them when they should. There are a couple of Bourplace wines there. There is the De I uh, okay. see. Same comes in with the uh, with the five star, and there's a KWV Cape Tawny, which is probably an ancient wine that has been kept in a huge vat at the KWV. That's where those old yes. tawnies come from. So I would really say that um, port style wines, which are really part of Christmas pudding. Yes. This is the year to remember that we make the best non-duro. Port style wines in the world. I agree with and you. And we have a fabulous choice from Burplas, from LeCrans, from KWB, and now I see also from Seine.
0: I absolutely agree with you. We must never forget that. Poor old Corin, Coral Nell has been making, producing some of the best port wines in the world for a long time. And until it starts raining, nobody remembers to open a bottle of port in their house or go and buy one. In addition to that, and I don't know why they don't have, maybe they don't have a category for it. I don't know. Is it there, the sticky wines that we make? Because I love sticky
1: they wines. They have one them. only. It's funny enough, it's the Orange River Cellars. Oh, wow. Uh, white Muscadil. And that won a trophy, a trophy wine wow. show probably six or seven years ago. So it's a real credible producer. They've done it very well. There are also, not to be forgotten, the Rich Man's Van de Constance, which mm. is, of course, the Clain Constantia, mm. also a five-star wine, and the slightly less Rich Man's Van de Constance, which comes from right next door. It's the Bacon for in 1769, also a five-star laureate, trophy winner at the Trophy Wine Show this year and, I think, two years ago. So it is also a... Dessert wine, a yeah, natural you, you
0: sweet wine a you can't noble discount. late
1: harvest made from muscat. Extraordinary, nothing like it anywhere in the world.
0: You can't discount them, and every home, every household should have a bottle of one of the stickies that Michael has has spoken about. Or if you can't get those, we do have an amazing array of sweet wines, noble lates, and or special late on shelves, in stores that you need to go and pay some attention to because they are just delicious after a meal with pud. Or if you don't feel like a huge meal, just a cheese platter with some of those sticky wines that are just slightly chilled. I think they're absolutely beautiful. And things like, I don't even know if they still make it, Michael. Do you remember Rona Muscadel from Graham Bay?
1: Uh, it I most certainly do. I don't know if they do make it. It's a wonderful wine
0: It was fantastic. And Fergelier again make a fabulous sticky. I think they used to make it out of Semion. Um they had a brilliant sticky and then uh, uh Valera make a fabulous one. Um I can the And then there's the score
1: ones, the Trafford, which I see got five stars. Yeah. There's the Savage, not tonight, Josephine. Um, there are, and of course, not even on the list, there's the Olhite and there is the fabulous Malinu, Yeah. Which I'm sure they didn't submit, but which I think may be one of the five greatest dessert wines in the
0: world. That Olorosa, yes, yeah, absolutely completely delicious. Or is it their straw? They're, which one are you talking so, about? Solo,
1: they called it uh, Sonara. Sonara. Oh, did they? It's Olorosa with the S in front, the way kids used to talk uh, gibberish. <laughs> but.
0: Yeah, they they are they definitely definitely yeah, not to be not to be missed. I think that you've got a pretty good idea from the country's best um as to what you should be putting into your shopping basket or at least what you should be exploring. Before I go, Michael, I I wanted to ask you, where does Trezan farm? Where is her farm?
1: Uh well she specializes in sites around Elam, so Cape South Coast. Okay. And she uses cellar space um, variously. So she sites her vineyards, brings the fruit in. She herself, I think, lives in Komaki, which means that every day is a long drive.
0: That is but true. if you're
1: a surfer, I guess that's what you have to do. Mm. Um, but if you look at the surah, it's from Elam. Most of her serving on those her vineyards are all maritime vineyards.
0: Okay. I was having some dinner the other night with Nick van Arder who's the winemaker at Oldenburg, uh, Oldenburg. and trying exactly. some of his wines. And I have to say that, from from uh, you know, from my perspective, that might be my little tip of the year. Go and have a look at what's coming out of I Oldenburg. I agree
1: with that. They per se Cab won the Cab Trophy this year. It's a five star, and that cellar has a lot of stuff in the pipeline. Mm. So the only reason I'm not agreeing or disagreeing, is that we're watching a fabulous Renaissance yes. at um, Oldenburg, but uh, the, the best is still to come. Mm,
0: I agree with you. It's my tip for the year. If I was giving you a tip at the races, it would be Oldenburg, I think. And, of course, we have to congratulate Urban Sadi, who once again has swept the table clean. He's walked away with the Winery of the Year award. And he's got, I think, I don't know, I think everything he made got five stars just about. I've lost count.
1: Well, it's a very smart line, no question. Yeah,
0: he's making seriously smart line, and we congratulate him. Everybody who was awarded five stars, it's difficult, and we know that these guys put their heart and their soul into what goes into these bottles. So do yourselves a favor for the festive season and spoil yourself. I mean, we've had such a shitty year. Don't you agree, Michael? We could just go and and spoil we ourselves should, with something else. While nice we still do.
1: can and before they lock us down again, make sure we have something to console ourselves through the long days of summer.
0: Just a quickie on that. Do you think that they might? Have what's your tummy telling you? None of us have got any any um real info, but, I mean, there seems to be a no, rumble. Um,
1: you know, I could get onto a soapbox. This new variant, I think, is a real cause for concern. Um, you can't blame overseas countries for making a quick call and saying, yeah. "Till we know what it leads to, we'd rather not have it spreading around our But if they react that quickly, if we are still under the Disaster Management Act, which we are, if we still theoretically have a national you know, Corona Control Council or whatever they like to call themselves. Why are they taking till this weekend to even meet? They should have met yesterday. The moment it was clear that there was a new variant. Mm. And if they move quickly, if they reduce the size of gatherings, limit the number of people who can attend funerals, if they impose a slightly um, restrictive curfew, we're not talking – we will avoid the excesses yes. that always follow. Yes. You know, turn the curfew till eleven o'clock or ten o'clock. Yeah. If necessary, stop. You know, weekend liquor sales. Mm. But I say, if necessary, because we all know that the illicit sector flourishes oh. the moment there is a complete liquor lockdown. Mm. But simply by closing down visible maximum human contact, they will avoid what will inevitably follow.
0: That is just my so unhappy moment on the soapbox. No, it's very sane advice. And I hope that the powers that be or some of them I know listen to us and I hope that they take heed of that because it really is the only way to go. Michael, thank you so much for always coming to the party with your insights. They are valuable and much loved and appreciated. I hope you have a very happy festive season with your family and We'll meet again in the new year. We had a fantastically interesting tasting, just for those of you who want to know, at Michael's place last week with Glenelly. that we will share with you next year. I'll keep you hanging on the edge of your seat, but it was unbelievable. And it's something that you will need to know about regarding closure of wines. It was fabulous. So thank you for that, Michael, too.
1: Take care. That's we will see each other. We'll see each other soon. We and will. if I don't see you before. Have a wonderful end of year, but we will, we will we'll see each other.
0: We will. Thanks, Michael, so much.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.